0: All right. I'm going to welcome on my next guest. we got a very special guest. We've got Pac-12 legend and former NFL quarterback, Mr. Ryan Leaf. Ryan, has everything going for you?
1: It's going well. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So my first question I want to ask you is I saw you've been like on this amazing weight loss journey in recent months. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because it's incredible. How, how did you do it?
1: Well, you know, when this quarantine happened, it was so unprecedented for so many people and, and recovery is such a foundation for me and doing the next right thing and the healthy choice. And life kind of, you know, spins out of control, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was very busy last year working. I have a three-year-old boy. Oh, cool. um, you're not eating as well. And maybe your mental health isn't isn't as good as it needs to be, especially in a situation where you're being told to isolate and be away from people rather than to be a part of something. So so I just started uh, with a nutritionist and didn't like the way I looked in a picture. Looked Felt like I looked angry and, and bloated. And so I started working with a nutritionist on July 3rd That's awesome. and, uh, you know, midway through the year, we kind of thought, and we've stuck to it. You know, it's, it's been nice being at home then because yeah. there's a, there is a ritual, there's continuity. And every single day I can, can be at home and eat good food and I'm not eating out restaurants aren't open, all of these things. And it just showed my body was like begging, begging for it to have less weight on its joints and everything because it just it melted off and as of right now we're we're down 78 pounds that's awesome uh, so <laughs> it's the lowest i've been since i was a freshman in college wow. which is crazy
0: what's the, what's the one thing you miss more than anything that you haven't been able to eat
1: well the good thing about it is sundays i can have a cheat day oh so cool. i've been, oh, I've been able to there we go yeah i've been able to you know eat whatever i wanted but i'm not really that you know indulgent anymore soda was a big thing for me yeah. soda and starburst candy those really are just are, are completely out of my uh completely out of my uh, uh diet now yeah. and not being able to go to movies you know when you go to movies yeah. you have junk food and popcorn and we used to do that a lot and uh, the movie theater that uh, we would go to is completely closed and it's been closed since i think like march 10th for us yes. so no yeah. movies on this end
0: no, yeah, I was ironic you bring up movies. I was talking to Gary Barnard the other day, and he's a big movie guy. I don't know how we got into it. We were talking about how it's crazy that Disney Plus is charging $30 for Mulan. Like, I'm not paying $30 to watch Mulan on my TV.
1: What are you doing? Uh well, if you have a kid, if you have a Kid, you kid? Do you do. different ballgame, yeah.
0: different yeah. ballgame.
1: If, <laughs> if you have a kid, you do. Uh, but you think about if we went to the movie in the theaters with yeah. the kiddo, it would be three tickets. It would be uh, all the popcorn and stuff. And so this, we were getting off easy, I think, in, the, in yeah. this
0: deal. What's the what's the best did you, What's the best movie you've seen since the pandemic and the quarantines happened? Borat for me did was a fantastic.
1: I have not seen a movie. I've, two movies I've seen is Trolls World Tour and uh, um and uh, Mulan. Right? Oh, there we the go. Kid, so, <laughs> so those are the two movies we've watched, uh, and we watch them over and over and over and over again because he wants to.
0: Yeah. Do, do you do you buy it? Do you have to rent it every time?
1: I feel like it's. We we buy it so there we go because we, we know every night before bed he's going to want to watch <laughs> trolls. He calls it trolls party. He's going to want to watch uh, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick sing songs as little trolls. You know <laughs>
0: that's wild. That's awesome. So I want to ask you a little bit about your college career. So how, how did you how did you end up at Washington State?
1: Mike Price, head coach. You know, I was recruited by everybody in the country. Um, it came down to a simple phone call. He called me on the on New Year's Day. I was watching UCLA and Wisconsin playing the Rose Bowl uh, he asked me what I was doing. I told him I was doing that. He said, I'll make you a deal. You come here. We'll play in that game together. And I just, you know, I bought it hook, line and sinker. He felt, he seemed so genuine. Uh, he sold me on it. I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't done research. I didn't know they hadn't been to a Rose bowl since 1931. So, uh, it was a leap of, it was a leap (laughs) of faith. It really was, but he became a second father to me. He taught me how to play quarterback and we did exactly that. We won a pack 10 championship and, played for the national championship in the Rose bowl, which was, which was unbelievable. What's the most
0: underrated PAC 12 town in your opinion?
1: Um, now Boulder, I probably would say, I think, you know, I think that it's, that's such a fun town. I mean, Pullman of course is the best PAC 12 school and PAC 12 town you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'd say Boulder, you know, it's outside of Denver close enough, but have its own kind of mystique and, uh, what, a, what a neat feel uh, going to college there. That's where I originally wanted to go when I was in oh. high school. and So uh, to see them in the Pac-12 now, uh, it, it's it's fun to watch.
0: I saw a rumor that you, that you wanted you as a linebacker?
1: Linebacker, tight end. You know, um, they were honest with me, at least on my recruiting trip, you know, and kind of talked to me that that's what their recruiting coordinator and some of their coaches felt uh, where I could be effective. Um, I think I probably would have been a, pretty effective tight end. Yeah. Um, but at the time I wasn't really invested in playing defense. I wanted to, I've been a quarterback my whole life. So, um, and I knew Dennis Erickson, if a pro job came up, he was going to take it. And he did, he jumped yeah. ship immediately and went to <laughs> Seattle a few years later. So I made, I made the right choice.
0: Absolutely. So was there an adjustment period to getting to school was like, what was it? Was, was it any much of a hurdle or did you kind of pick that very quickly?
1: No, definitely. I just, you know, you come from Montana where the talent is, is not the same. And I just assumed I'd play right away. I ended up on the scout team, redshirting, um, and it ended up being the best thing for me because our defense that year, the Palouse Posse, would go on to be the number one ranked defense in the country, oh, wow. the entire country that year. And I got to go up against them every day for the entire season, and it just made me a better player. It earned respect with with leaders on the team. So when my time did come in my redshirt freshman year, everybody was really really on board when I got my first start. I never. I never did not start a game the rest of my career. So.
0: That's awesome. Were were you, were you in contact with Drew Bledsoe at the time, like how to succeed at Washington state?
1: Yeah. I mean, I got on campus and the headlines were baby Bledsoe, you know, so (laughs) I had a lot, I had a lot of expectation to live up to. uh, And that that guy was just killing it in the NFL. And I had a poster on my wall of, you know, 10 reasons why Drew Bledsoe will kick your butt and had all these (laughs) things, him throwing the ball around him, lifting weights and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, he kept a house there. You know, he kept a house there. I, don't know that. Uh, I hosted his, I hosted his younger brother on a recruiting trip there when Adam came, and and we've stayed in touch for years and years and years. Especially when I got to the NFL, Washington State quarterbacks uh, are a pretty tight fraternity, that's for yeah. sure.
0: So, so, speaking of Washington State quarterbacks, Minshew comes on the scene out of nowhere last year. Did you expect that, or did, did you kind of see that coming? Say that again. With uh, Gardner Minshew?
1: No. No one saw that coming. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, one you know, one of the best talent evaluators in the country, Nick Saban, said, come here so you can coach. Uh, be a grad assistant for me if you come here and be a backup quarterback. And luckily, Mike Leach said, hey, come here and lead the nation in passing. Have one more hurrah. I mean, if, if you're going to coach, you're going to coach. But come here and lead the nation in passing and be a folk hero. And that's exactly what he was. Most wins ever. In Washington State history in a season wow. and then he goes off to Jacksonville and the myth continues right the myth yeah. and legend continues he six-round draft pick starts immediately when Nick Foles gets hurt and is now their starting quarterback unfortunately he's he's injured at the time but yeah I mean I, I, I haven't seen anything from him from the moment that he stepped on campus in Pullman that he isn't a guy that can lead and get the job done.
0: Do you think it'd be a mistake for Jacksonville to take a quarterback in the next draft and kind of let him go i don't think it's ever
1: i don't think it's ever a mistake to take a quarterback if you feel like you have a guy you can't have enough you if you could have 30 quarterbacks on your team that's what you need to do you really do um you can never have enough quarterbacks because injuries happen like that and if people's pride and ego are too harmed by not being the guy because somebody's nipping at your heels then that's not the guy you want there anyway
0: so do you think what arizona the cardinals have done in the past couple of years is really setting the, the blueprint for what nfl teams are going to start doing in the future going from well i think to-
1: that i think the coaching period has changed that yeah that these coaches that are young uh are more open minded they they're not stuck in their ways where it has to be their way and these players have to mold to us but rather you get a guy that is an unbelievable athlete one in, once in a generation athlete like kyler murray yeah. well Let's get the coach that that runs the same offense this kid's been running since he was two years old, and we've seen the success yeah. from it. So yeah, I think you know pliability. Zach Taylor is 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 putting around his offense what Joe Burrow does best. Yep. Uh, you know when uh, Lafleur got to Green Bay, it was about what it's about what Aaron Rodgers does best. Yeah. Before come in there and go, okay, now we're going to do what the Rams did all the time with Jared Goff because Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers are extremely different quarterbacks. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's been really important to see as the coaches being more pliable and willing to, to, you know, bend and, and, and compromise to get wins, which is ultimately what keeps them in a job yeah. and it gives them a chance to go to a Super Bowl.
0: The, the one Pac-12 guy, I keep going to bat for that. A lot of people are kind of down on. I, I think people are giving up too early on Sam Darnold. What's your, what's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's not his fault. No. that that he's been hurt and he's been yeah. bad and that team has been bad. It's the coaching. Yep. It's the, it's, it's systematic there. So if I'm him, I'm begging, I'm begging for an <laughs> opportunity to get out. So hopefully he does. And hopefully he ends up in a place like maybe San Francisco. Yeah. Who knows how this all plays out, but, but I, it's just not, not been the right fit for him. Yeah. And I don't think it has anything to do with him. That's for sure. What
0: are the kind of things that you don't see on a statue that you've seen from him that just shows you he's going to be a successful quarterback?
1: his arm strength his leadership qualities his ability to you know read defenses you know i think that's that's huge part he's not he's not been a huge turnover guy it means he's not too flustered by what's going on he sees what's going on he just hasn't had the talent around him and unfortunately when you get drafted high sometimes you are not with a team that's very talented now there are different guys that exists that can change the environment. Peyton Manning being one of them. Yeah, but that's the biggest worry I have for Joe Burrow. He's just stuck in Cincinnati for his career, a la Carson Palmer. Yep. And you know, we never know anything other than no. he's just a great quarterback. He just played for a terrible team for years.
0: Do you think that same issue is going to come up if Trevor Lawrence succumbs, Darnold, and with the Jets, and we're just going to see him on the move in four years, or what do you, do you think he's the kind of guy? Well, hopefully, up-
1: his agent and him will have a, a real frank conversation <laughs> and say, "You figure out a way where I don't go to New York." That's just that's just that's a deal breaker. You know, we'll pull a John Elway if we have to, but you know, put out false information, do something to you know dilute the waters that make me the number one pick. If it is the New York Jets, or, or let them know for sure that I am not going to play for them.
0: Yeah, and then the one Pac-12 guy this year I've been keeping my eye on is the tackle over at Oregon, Sewell. What have been your what what are your what's your evaluation on him?
1: Well, he opted out. So, um, you know, he's, he's getting ready for yeah. the NFL draft. He, was, he would have been the first offensive t- uh, tackle, offensive lineman taken a year ago, wow. but he was only a sophomore, so he couldn't. So uh, if it weren't for quarterbacks in the draft next April, <laughs> this would be the first guy off the board. Yeah. Uh, his intangibles, his hands, his feet, his size, his intelligence, all of it off the charts in terms of offensive line play. And I expect him to be the first probably non-quarterback off the board when the draft takes place in April. Because
0: I saw Daniel Jeremiah I said he reminds me a lot of Taylor Luan on the Titans. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I want to ask you so, so getting into your college career, when did you feel like, all right, like you, you, you sort of, you sort of hit your groove? When did you feel like, all right, like I'm not giving this job up?
1: I, well, I knew as soon as I started my first game, it was mine and no one was ever, ever <laughs> taking it. Uh, my first start was at Washington in the Apple Cup. And, we were, we were three and 17 and they were, you know, they were a 10 and 10 or nine and two team, you know, and we just, you know, we didn't care. It was our JV team pretty much playing in that game. And it was the guys that were going to play for the next three years together. And, you know, we went off, we lost on the last second field goal, 33, 30. Um, You know, I showed my toughness to my teammates. You know, I didn't turn it over threw it all over the place. um, And that was it. And we knew the, we knew the next year, um, we were gonna be we were gonna be ready, but we weren't ready to to win, win it all yet. The year going into my junior year, that's the year that we all kind of came together. Uh, and even though no one believed in us, we did something that hadn't been done in sixty seven years, and that's that was really special.
0: I saw your junior year, so you threw for a then record thirty three touchdowns, which was t- then the record for back. What what did that mean to you? Like that's awesome. That's insane.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, just I mean. Records were made to be broken. Yeah. That's just what they're there for you, their goals you achieve for. And, and if I were to get to that place or that plateau, that means we had to have been doing really well, scoring lots of points. And uh, you know, sure enough, we were, you know, we got, what's pretty cool is, is that I have the highest single season at Washington state ever that isn't a Mike Leach quarterback. That's, that, awesome. that's, that's <laughs> where, that's where I, I I'm happy about because I know, and even Mike Leach quarterbacks that played in Mike Leach system, I'm still ahead of. So that tells me a lot of what we were doing offensively and what kind of season we had. And I think I'm like seventh or eighth on the list now because the likes of Luke Falk and, and Gardner Minshew and Connor yeah. Holiday threw for like, Five thousand yards and stuff like that.
0: And it's wild to see like how the game has changed now because I think it really came to light. What was it a couple days ago when they showed that showed that Flacco passed Montana and all time passing records? I'm like, oh, it's a little bit of a different situation going on
1: now. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, defenses are different. You yeah. throw the ball a, a lot more. I mean, Troy Aikman has three Super Bowls, and I don't think he. I think he's 50th or close to a hundredth on the yeah. list of passing yards and he's a I, hall of famer. So
0: I was looking at actually looking at his football reference page yesterday. I don't think he had more than 24 touchdowns in one season, in any season of his career. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's wild. So, so fast forward to, to uh, Heisman trophy. Uh, you get what was your feeling like you're going into this, obviously this big situation. Did you, what, what, what was your mindset going in with all these great players around you? Did you, what were you thinking?
1: Um, you know, I, I felt like I belonged. Um, but I knew it was an opportunity to showcase my head coach yes. and my teammates. Um, and that was important because somebody from Washington state had never, and still has never gone to the, the Heisman trophy ceremony Oh wow. as a I finalist. So um, to have that kind of prime time platform to discuss what a great coach, Mike price was, what a wonderful institution and university Washington state is. And then my teammates in particular, my offensive line and the skill <laughs> position players, that I got to play with. That's what was pretty cool. I knew I wasn't going to win it. Yeah. I never had any any pipe dream thoughts that, oh, what if my name's called? Yeah. I wasn't going to win it. Um, so I had just the absolute most fun time with it, with my family, with my coach. Yeah. And then when I got back with my teammates.
0: Were you surprised Woodson won it over Peyton?
1: Yeah, very surprised. <laughs> uh, if anybody should have won it that year, it was Randy Moss. He was the, really? he was the best. Okay. Yeah, the, he finished fourth and he was the best player out of all of us. Um, only defensive player ever to win it, Charles Woodson. Now he was a great player, don't yeah. get me wrong, but he, he wasn't the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, no. you know that that either should have went to Randy for sure, Peyton then, and then probably Charles, and then myself.
0: Was 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 Randy at the with the ceremony? Was he even yes. was okay? That was good. Yeah, that's interesting. So the, so then so fast forward a little bit further. Um, what made you decide to foregrow your senior season and enter the draft rather than stand for your senior year?
1: Um, Well, I was going to either be the first or second pick in the NFL draft, so I I couldn't get any higher. We had just won a championship that the school hadn't done since 1931, played in the the granddaddy of them all for the national championship. Uh, We were losing 26 seniors. It was going to be difficult to duplicate. Um, And I liked the idea that it was even more on the resume that I left a year early to go play pro ball. I mean, not only am I the only Montanan ever drafted in the first round of the NFL draft but now I'm going to go a year early and show everybody. So it was, there was ego involved and, and a lot of things that I have had checked off the box that I wasn't, that I didn't need anymore.
0: That's awesome. And so going into the, what was your draft process? Like, was it, was it kind of, did you, when did you kind of know who was looking at you? When did you kind of know, all right, I'm, I'm going to be one of the top two picks.
1: Oh, I knew I was gonna be one of the top two picks before my, my junior season even started. So um, that, that, that wasn't even, and for me, it was pick one A and pick one B. It just mattered where I went. Um, and it came down to Indianapolis or, or San Diego and San Diego seemed like such a better fit, right? You know, the beach, the West coast, um, all of it seemed like it fit me more. And luckily that's the way it went. Unfortunately, I wasn't prepared for what was about to take place and and what was what was about to happen. And, uh, it takes a special individual yeah. to be an NFL quarterback and be a successful NFL quarterback.
0: Do you think an unnecessarily amount of pressure is put on top picks in the NFL?
1: Of course, but you don't have to do it. No, you don't have to do that. You, you go home, you can go sell insurance for a living, right? You don't, you don't have to do this. So whatever pressure or stress comes with it, unwarranted or not, you've chosen this path. So I never want to hear anybody complain about. Oh, it's just so tough being a yeah. multi-million-dollar quarterback <laughs> who plays yeah. NFL football. Ever, ever.
0: That's awesome. And then as you were getting closer, were you were you still talk, talking to Drew about? All right, I need to make this transition. Well, what 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 do you suggest I do? Or was at that point? We just Unfortunately,
1: to to a- that's that's one of the maturing things I didn't do. You know, I didn't utilize mentors. Lee Steinberg was my agent. Had the likes of Drew Bledsoe, Steve Young, Warren Moon, uh, a ton of great quarterbacks, Troy Aikman. You know, that I that I could have utilized. And I didn't. I thought I knew it all. I was, you know, Superman. And, uh, you know, kryptonite yeah. hits you pretty hard when you Superman. And that's yeah. exactly what happened to me.
0: So uh, you just recently got back in with uh, Believe. Why did you want to do a podcast this year, especially with the wild year with college football going on like it is?
1: Well, I'm, I'm part owner of believe. So oh, I've, I know I've, yeah. So, um, I got in on the ground floor with Braun. He came to me, we were looking at different ways to, to influence podcasting in your local area. And he had a great idea and he said, Hey, you want to try to be a part of this and you can, you can have 5% of the company. And, and I was like, this is like, I'm sure this was like the conversation that Zuckerberg had with a couple of his guys in the, in the dorm room going, <laughs> you want 5%? And yeah. some guy said, some guy says, no, and walks away and the other guy goes like yeah i'll do it yeah. and then you know five years later it's worth a hundred million dollars or something so i was <laughs> you know bron's a smart guy um i have faith in him and so i just thought i do a, a ton of work on sirius xm doing the yeah. pac-12 show um you know i'm you know went to work for espn and they come to me for pac-12 stuff all the time oh, cool. why not do a, a pac-12 uh, podcast, and I, I found a young man who just had graduated from the University of Oregon, Jonathan Rifkin, just out of college, wants to be in as a broadcaster, as a play-by-play guy. It's a great opportunity for for him to get his feet wet, um, learn, and get some exposure with it. Because you know, you put my name on something like that, and you know, people yeah. will tend to listen. And it's a great opportunity for him to get some interviewing skills and things like that. And it's helped me a ton because we do it twice a week during the season. Oh, cool. And uh, it, it, to, to cover what preview the game's coming up and recap the games that, that were played the weekend before. And since the Pac-12 decided to come back, of course, we chose to, to do the show again. But uh, the podcast network it has been amazing for so That's many awesome. people. We went from – I was one of the first shows to now where I think we're up near 300 shows That's on the awesome. network. And uh, it continues to grow, and it just gives people – an outlet and a platform to talk about what they want to talk about. And just like yourself, you get the opportunity to do what you want to do. And, 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 and that's great. So that's what I got into it. Luckily for Braun, he's the smart, he's got the smarts in, in this, in this relationship and I'll follow him through it.
0: Oh, cool. So I just got two last questions for you. So I know you're involved with the NFL with the, with the legends program. You talk about that a little
1: bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's the legends community is, is simply any player who ever signed a contract. Uh, is a legend because there is 20, 27,000 players ever in the 100 year history. Yeah. That's, That's it. That wouldn't fill up a, a quarter of an NFL stadium. No. So you are a legend. If you played yeah. in the NFL, you are a legend. And I love the name of the company, uh, uh, the organization. And what we get to do is essentially. Have peer-to-peer contact when people will transition from college to the pros, and then from the pros to civilian life. Oh, cool! Because it's super difficult. It's you're you are you are a legend. You are a rare breed, and if you're not prepared to deal with it in a positive and healthy way, it can be really rocky. And mine was. So I'm kind of the perfect example yeah. uh, for these for these guys on on what not to do, what help you can get, yeah. how you can transition, and and how it can be made better. And 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 I'm really really grateful for that opportunity. That's awesome.
0: And then, so my last question about you is so with, with, with the age of COVID and college football, we keep seeing all these games getting postponed. Do you, if if you were playing now, would you have any, any hesitation going like, it's a, so let's say your junior season, you're going to be a top pick and you're seeing this pandemic going out there. Would you have any hesitation about playing? And then do you think, do you think college football is going to finish up? All right. This year,
1: the 21 year old version of me, like I told you before, thought he was Superman. So, some worldwide pandemic wasn't going to mess with me. I would be clamoring to play just like all the players are. The problem is, is you need an adult in the room because they don't understand. The fact that we're playing college football during a, a worldwide pandemic right now is absolutely the most asinine thing I could think of. It puts in perspective of what a house of cards college football sits upon. It's like the 2008 housing market just bad mortgage after bad mortgage after bad mortgage. If you don't play an entire season, your whole thing goes bust. You know what kind of debt these programs are in? Oh yeah. Zero surplus. They had to play. They had to play. And they're using unpaid labor, who they call student athletes as the wheel. And the players are doing it willfully because they want to play because they think they're unbreakable. And we don't know enough about this disease and this virus and what long-term effects it is. So I think it's, I think it's absolute mistake, but um, if they're going to do it, I want the safety protocols in place. And I think the PAC 12 has been the best about it. That's why I think you've seen so many cases and so many cancellations because they have protocols in place that like, if, if, if you get sick, we're not going to try to spread it even more. We're going to shut things down and make it safe. So um, I, I will, you know, I feel guilty sometimes on Saturday, sitting down and watching games, yeah. but, but it is what it is. I just, I don't, I don't understand why we're putting uh, people's health and safety at risk simply to, to play football when the game, when the season doesn't count in terms of eligibility or anything for these players, they can come back next year and it's like the season never existed.
0: No, I think Ivy got it right. Do you think college basketball is going to happen?
1: Of course it is because it's a money making machine. So yeah, this is all about money. So yeah, it's gonna, the problem is college basketball. One guy gets it. One guy, the whole team's done. I mean, that's, yeah. that is, that's contact tracing as close as you can get inside a facility with 10 to 12 players yeah. on your team that your whole team's done. If somebody gets it and these college kids, you know, after they all of a sudden become big man on campus after a big game, they're not staying at, at home and quarantining. No. They're going to go out and party and, yeah and be who 18 to 22 year olds are. And you can't fault them for it. Uh, The ignorance is just what it is. Yeah. No,
0: it's unbelievable. And as one last question, what is your bold prediction for the rest of the NFL season?
1: Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anybody can beat Kansas city. Uh, You know, Pittsburgh hasn't shown me anything other than they can find ways to eke out games and, and, you know, you keep winning, you keep winning, you keep winning. That that's telling. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the AFC Championship we see Pittsburgh and Kansas City. I just think it's gonna be really difficult to beat Patrick Mahomes and that team. On the NFC side, I mean, we have no idea. We have zero idea. I yeah. I thought I did a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and now now is it Green Bay? Oh no, you get thumped at Tampa. Yep. Okay, it's Tampa. Oh no, you get thumped at home against uh, New Orleans. Yeah, uh, it's the Seahawks. Now they can't beat Arizona. <laughs> they get beat on the road. You know, maybe it's Miami. All of a sudden. I mean, I mean, you know, from the AFC. We don't we, we yeah. don't know what yeah. it's going to be. So NFC-wise, I I suspect that Green Bay is going to have a say in it. Uh I suspect St uh Tampa Bay and, and New Orleans are going to have a say in, and Seattle. And don't forget the LA Rams. And so you could just keep going and going, but I don't think anybody NFC AFC anybody beats the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Interesting. That's what do, do you think any of these teams that are like Minnesota that struggled out of the gate early. I think they won three in a row it's just a, they're just kind of putting numbers up on the stat sheet. They don't, they don't have a
1: shot. Any, well, any... if they, if they, if they lose some games, if, if, if some games get canceled and it goes to 16 teams. Okay. All uh right. And for the playoffs, you get a yeah. team that maybe finished seven and nine gets in six and 10 and gets in, but won its last six games, they, you know, it's about who gets hot last. Yeah. And Minnesota's is playing as good as anybody right now. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm anybody at the top tier of the NFC, I don't want to see Minnesota at all the rest of the season, and I definitely don't want to see them in the playoffs where things get cold, rainy, physical, and they got the best running back in the league in Dalvin Cook. Do
0: you think they're there? The Vikings this year or last year's Titans?
1: Well, that's that's a stretch, okay. um, but uh, um, that's the recipe. You know, last year's Titans didn't do anything; they lost in the NFC Championship and didn't go to the Super Bowl, so. Nah. I mean, Jacksonville Jaguars played in the AFC Championship a few years back, and I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, great, you got there, you know. Yeah. Um, the Jets went there two times with Mark Sanchez, okay, but I mean, you got to win, you got to win, you got to win a, you got to win a league championship, and you got to play for the Super Bowl, and that, that's the bottom line. And so, um, I know that no one wants to see Minnesota if it gets to that that time, that's for sure.
0: Oh, well, cool, cool. And then, so uh, how can people find you on social media, keep up with you, and also find your podcast and listen and uh, tag along.
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ryan D. Leaf, um, uh, you know, at my website, theryandleaf.com, cool. And, uh, I'm, I'm on Sirius XM channel 84 ESPNU and, and Sirius XM channel 373 PAC 12 network channel, uh, as well as doing some work with ESPN in, in non COVID years. Uh, <laughs> so, um, it's been exciting uh, to be back at work. Um, and, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy talking about sports football in particular and and I look forward to an exciting finish hopefully we'll be able to get there be safe